I think the budgeting piece, we have control over $1.5 million in student fees, which is a lot. And I think people sometimes underestimate the power that student government has with budgeting. And then my position specifically, I oversee the student fee review board. So that's about $65 million in student fees. Welcome to Unlocking College Life. Real talk about all things college. The best part of this podcast is that your voice is part of the show. Other students care what you have to say. So through your questions, your feedback and your real talk, we all grow together. Let's dive in with your hosts, Joy and Alona. Welcome back to Unlocking College Life. We are joined today by Mary, who is the Vice President of ASCSU at Colorado State University. And she's going to join us to talk a little bit about her college experience and sort of how she ended up in the position that she's now. And she was even reflecting right before we jumped on about sort of the interesting whirlwind that it is when you are a fourth year after two years in a pandemic, which a lot of you can relate to. So Mary, I'll let you introduce yourself. Thank you so much for both of you to have me here. I am a senior right now studying political science and ethnic studies. And as JP mentioned, I am currently the student body vice president along with any other leadership positions, but I'm just really happy to be here and reflect back on my experience and kind of talk about how I got to where I am today. Well, maybe you can jump off by even saying, how did you end up at the university you're at? Yeah, that's a great question. So my family is originally from Littleton, Colorado. So that's about two hours away from campus. And I remember being a senior and thinking, I'm definitely going to go out of state. I'm going to leave Colorado, explore other options and kind of get out of my comfort zone. And then I think the more I started to look and I did kind of a summer program here at the end of my junior year, I was like, I did really like CSU and people were so nice. Why don't I give it a chance, right? Also, it was about money as well. They gave me a lot of scholarships to be able to come to this university. And then I think reflecting it's far enough from home, but also close enough if I need to go get some things done or if I need something for my family or even just to stay close to family and kind of visit them whenever I could. And so I ended up coming here and I got to say it's the best decision that I've ever made. Both of my parents, they're Ethiopian. And so that's kind of home for them. That's where they grew up. Some of my extended family kind of still lives there. And so they attended college back home. And so me applying to colleges here and kind of going through that process, I consider myself to be a first generation student because the educational system is so different here. And so I didn't really even know what being first generation meant when I came to college, but I didn't really have the resources to be what's college like here or can you help me with this process or application? I kind of had to just figure it out on my own. And I think that's when my first semester here, I felt a bit isolated because I didn't reach out. I saw that there were so many resources, but I was like, I don't know how to reach out and I don't know how to get involved. I don't know how to meet people. So I kind of stayed in my own bubble. And then I think about two to three months after, I was like, I can't keep doing this. I came here for a reason. I declared poli-sci as a major when I came in. So that was one thing. I really like this major and I'm enjoying it so far. That's a good decision that I made. But overall, college is just so different. Even though I was two hours away, the social aspect, I think also going to a predominantly white institution and being a black woman in this space, I already grew up in that kind of environment, living in Littleton, but This is on a larger scale. And do I even fit in here? A lot of that imposter syndrome is what I was feeling my first semester. 
And so I kind of just decided to just put myself out there after a few months, started joining student organizations, started reaching out to folks within those student organizations, kind of the advisors and the mentors. And I started to really lean in on those folks. One of the offices here, so we have about seven student diversity program service offices here. And one of them is the Black African American Cultural Center. And I kind of started visiting that office and talking with the assistant director and the director. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to go into politics. I don't know how to get involved here on campus. Please help me. And that's exactly what they did. They kind of took me under their wing. They were such great mentors that also would just give me other opportunities of, hey, Mary, like, I know you're interested in this. You might really enjoy this. And so I was super grateful to have mentors in that office who kind of told me, you really have to put yourself out there. That's what college is about. No one's going to be holding your hand, but there's going to be people who are looking out for you. And so I think taking that step to join student organizations, the first organization I joined was student orientation program. So I was an orientation leader literally in my first year and started training my second semester to be an orientation leader in the summer. And let me tell you, that put me out of my comfort zone for sure. Like talking to, I'm leading about 30 students every single day over the summer And they're only one year younger than me. And so that really put me, at least my communication skills and kind of putting myself out there. It was the best thing that I ever did because that set me up for so much success later on in the future. That's how I joined student government because we learned about a lot of these resources on campus. So I want to go see what this is. And I joined some clubs that I was, ah, maybe this isn't for me, but at least now I know. And if it weren't for me reaching out, I wouldn't have met this person who would have known about this opportunity. And so I'm really grateful to have been willing to join these organizations and just kind of put myself out there. So I think what you were saying about your first couple of months is so relatable, particularly for a first generation student to feel kind of like out of place. Where do I belong? And then you mentioned that you got to a point where you were like, I can't do this anymore, which we hear a lot. And I actually think some students don't get to that point until their second or third year. So I know it sounds simplistic because some people have a hard time, some students even just walking into an office and asking for help. How did you even literally get yourself to do that? That's a great question because for a couple months that I was just kind of going to class, eating, taking a nap, repeating the next day. Oh my gosh, like this is a lot. And In my first month, I got this first-generation scholarship from donors that had started this new program. It was part of the Philip Stencil first-generation scholarship. And so I got that scholarship, and that put me in the first-generation community. And so part of being that community was you had to talk to a mentor, and they kind of assigned that mentor to you. And so the mentor that I got assigned was the assistant director of the Black African American Cultural Center, Her name was Emerald Green. And so I got connected to her, kind of started talking about how I was struggling with the social aspect and just kind of getting involved and pretty much just being in college. Kind of spoke to her about that and she walked me through her experiences. And I think I felt very comforted because she was also a black woman and had also gone to predominantly white institution. And she's felt a lot of the same things that I felt. And she gave me very tangible steps that I could actually take. So it wasn't just, oh, do this. It was, let's write these down. And the next month, I'm going to check in on you. So she held me accountable while also kind of showing me ways to write down what I wanted to do. And that kept me accountable for sure. You know, every time we would check in, oh, did you sign up for that one club? Did you go talk to this person? 
And so I was like, oh, I'm definitely on it now. And so that's kind of what started it. And then after that, I realized I love talking to new people. I love being involved on campus and connecting other individuals. And so I think that's kind of what helped me dip my toe into the waters a little bit. Yeah. And that mentorship is so powerful. That makes sense that you were connected with someone. So that's a good reminder for folks who are listening that when you're offered any sort of mentor to take them up on it. I love that her name was Emerald Green too. So maybe to walk us through, I'm assuming that as a first year student, you didn't imagine that you'd be the vice president of (laughs) student government. And so walk us through that. Where did your passion shift to wanting to be not just involved, because you're talking about being involved and talking with students, but that's like a really big leadership position that gets into a lot of intense political conversations. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. So my freshman year, I got involved with orientation transition programs. I got involved with my hall council. Then my second year, I became a resident assistant worked at the front desk, and then became an ambassador for my college, and then later on became the coordinator for the tours and visits. So I'm still doing that now for the dean's office, which is really fun. And then my junior year, I also got involved with presidential ambassadors. So you work with a lot of donors and university advancement. And I'm also the marketing and communication co-chair for that right now as well. So involved with them pretty early because I knew I wanted to grow within those positions. But as far as student government, I always saw it with like as I was walking across campus and would always hear about it because in high school I did student government, but it was, oh, student council, like everybody can join. It wasn't as intense as coming to college. I didn't know how serious it was coming to college as well. And so I joined first as an associate senator and I represented the Black African American Cultural Center. So Emerald is the one that was, do you want to represent our office? Let's talk more about this. I've never knew about this opportunity and ways to join. And so she was like, yeah, we would love for you to represent our office. So I represented them and then became a senator for that office. And then I was an elections committee my sophomore year as well. And so I saw how the campaigns were run much more intense. You're using actual money to kind of campaign really for yourself. And I noticed it was a lot of Greek life folks who kind of were dominating this space. And I had remembered my freshman year when I joined student government, this space is not very inclusive. And I always felt like I didn't fit in or there wasn't a lot of avenues for, I guess it didn't feel a space where I wanted to always be in. It felt kind of like exhaustive work, right? And so I'm going to stick it out, see what I can do to change it, right? But one person can't make that change. And I saw that a lot of folks who represented the SDPS offices, the Student Diversity Program Services, a lot of them would kind of leave. Month after month, we cannot be in this space anymore. It was dominated by white folks. And also, not just that, but there was just kind of a lot of white supremacy embedded within student government here at CSU. And I kind of noticed that from the start, but didn't really know it intricately until I joined and was part of it. And that's when I decided I'm going to learn the ins and outs of everything within this student organization. And so that's literally what I did. I joined the legislative branch at first, and then I joined in as the diversity and inclusion director for the cabinet previous year, kind of learned more about the executive branch. Then I would talk to folks in the judicial branch and kind of learned about that. And I got to say, my freshman year, I would have never imagined that I would be running for a position such as vice president. That would have been so far out of reach that I wouldn't even thought about that. 
But I think the more I stayed on in this organization, why wouldn't I be able to do it? I have more than three years of experience within the student organization. I know pretty much all the documents, the bylaws, the constitution, anything that you can pretty much name in here. And I know what I want to change as part of being in this student organization. And so that's when another senator that I had worked with, would you like to run for vice president? I didn't even think about that. What? And then I was like, why not? 10 years later, I'm going to be sad that I didn't take on this opportunity to run and see what I could do. Because I knew I was already making an impact within my senator position, but I can only imagine with a vice president position, how much power that I could really allocate in the team that I could actually foster and the type of environment that I really wanted within this space for myself when I first joined. And so that's when I said, why not? I would love to. And that was a month long campaign that we ran. And so and that was talking with about five to six organizations every single day of campaigning. We have over 500 organizations here on campus. So we were trying to hit all of them. We were trying to talk to all of Greek life. It was a lot of running around all the time. And I will say that Christian and I, so Christian's the president right now, we're the first to not be in Greek life and win an executive position in ASCSU history. And so that was really huge for us because Greek life had dominated this space very much so. And we had three other teams that were running against us this past year, and all of them had a Greek life right behind them. And the thing is, Greek life has numbers. There's about over, you can get about 300 members that will vote for you. And that's a lot. And so we wanted to make sure that we not only also talk to Greek life, but we wanted to talk to other student organizations on this campus, whether it was one member or two. And so that's what we did. And we did extensive work in planning out what we wanted to run on. One of them was radical inclusion, transparency, and we didn't want to run on false promises, but more of the values that we stood for. That's what I think, if you ask anybody that I think that we've done, is we've made this environment where you'll see people hanging out here till 10, 11 p.m. And that's something that I have not seen personally in my years of ASCSU. And also just more folks, like a lot of more representation within the Senate body and also just our cabinet. And that's something that we were striving for from the start. And I got to say, I'm, I'm just so grateful that I took that opportunity to say, why not? And also, I think the budgeting piece, we have control over $1.5 million in student fees, which is a lot. And I think people sometimes underestimate the power that student government has with budgeting. And then my position specifically, I oversee the student fee review board. So that's about $65 million in student fees in which I work with the 19 fee areas. And so... I think this year I've been trying to kind of spread the word of your student government has a lot of power and you have a voice in that. And I think letting people know that what they have to say matters. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. It's very clear to me what a go-getter you are, the gaps that you have traversed, the steps that you have taken. I mean, it's really quite mind-blowing. And I am sure this, I'm so glad, right? You're setting precedent in so many powerful, powerful ways. Also, so much work behind this. I'm sort of sitting here mind blown, but I'm also wondering then, how do you also navigate academics with all of this and all the other college stuff? I say this all the time, but sometimes school feels like part time in all of this. I'm also a full time student and I make dean's list every year. And I think that's because sometimes procrastination is not good, but academics is always number one for me as well, because I know that I need academics, at least for myself. I love learning, but I also know that it's going to help me get to my next step. And so 
I always say school's part-time, even though it, it is a top priority. It does feel like sometimes it's side job for me because I'm in all of these leadership positions across campus. But I will say being busy with all of these student leadership positions helps me get my work done ahead of time too. It's kind of like a reverse time management tactic. I don't know how to explain it, but, oh, if I have this later and this right now, I have to get this done at this time. And that's really helped. And then this semester, I'm doing an internship down in Denver, which counts as about six credits. So that's been really cool as well. So you talked about sort of the being at a PWI and that this was the first time that y'all were elected outside of Greek life. That seems huge. You said it wasn't just about you. And so I'm wondering, were you feeling a shift on campus too, in terms of what people were looking for? And how has that played out? Again, it's not like you change things overnight, but that is huge. And it's like huge to name because it maybe it wasn't named for a while. It was just assumed, oh yeah, the white people in Greek life are on student government. Oh yeah, like how does this happen? So I'm curious how that all played out once y'all were in power. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because I think when we were running and we would talk to a lot of Greek life folks, we hear this speech all the time. But it's no, like ours is different because we're not just making these promises. We also did interviews with the city manager, the president of the Chambers of Commerce. We knew we wanted to make change and we had been doing the work. And so we were like, here's proof of that. And so I think there was a shift in Greek life as well to where they were, yeah, we keep electing these folks, but what's actually happening and what's actually changing. And so that was really nice to see. And then I think when we talked to the other folks across different student organizations, it was like, oh, no one's ever come to talk to us. And it's your voice matters too. And that's the outreach that we wanted to foster to begin with. And so it was nice to see that across campus, everybody was kind of, we want something different this year. I don't know if there was kind of more of a reflection and time for people to think during the pandemic as well, because we were running during the pandemic and there was a few in-person classes. So we had to do a lot of outreach through Zoom and just kind of social media overall. But there was a shift during that time of we're tired of the same people running every year, the same people promise us the same thing and nothing ever changing. And so that's when we want to do more outreach to folks. And here's one way to prove it. We had already fostered those relationships within other positions across campus. And it's the fact that we had that far reach and we had proven ourselves a little bit, give us this platform and we want to make an even more of an impact. And we definitely saw that shift, not just within this office, but I think across campus of we're in this together. And if we want change, we got to hold people accountable. And that's all we've wanted all along anyways. So I know you mentioned some of the values, radical inclusion and such. And I'm curious, do you feel like you're delivering on that? What have been some of the barriers in your way now that you are in the office? And side comment, I'm even interested to know what are other themes on your campus? We don't know your campus. So what are you navigating these days? Yeah, I would say as far as radical inclusion, I don't think that's a work that you can just be, oh, this has been attained. I think it's just a continuous work that everybody has to continue doing. And I think for us to foster that culture, I think it goes far beyond the diversity, equity and inclusion trainings that we've done here within each of the positions that we have within our cabinet, we have added diversity, equity, and inclusion within each of those positions. It's not just the job of the director of diversity and inclusion to do that work, but every position needs to incorporate that. And so that's something that we did tangibly within the bylaws. 
is adding that into everybody's position. And then I think also just across campus, working with the student diversity program services, and then also working with the president's office to establish a new position that works closely with undocumented students here on campus. So we don't really have a solid position for that. We have folks in the community who are professors and do other work that also bear of that work for students, but it's not like they're getting paid more money to be able to do that. And so Christian and I are working to create that position to get funding, hopefully from the Board of Governors or the President's Office, because we want international students and undocumented students to also know that they matter on this campus. And because we did get a little bit of complaints from the international community of we don't feel valued, we don't feel that our voices are being heard. And then also just concerns from the undocumented students of, am I going to still be able to be a student here? And not being able to apply to a lot of the institutional aid and kind of help because of that status, there's a lot of barriers, right? And so that's one thing that we're doing is trying to create that position. And then also in my role, working with the 19 fee areas, we have Student Disability Center is one of them, Women Gender Advocacy Center, we have Athletics, we have the Rec Center. Those are just to name a few. My goal has always been this year to make sure that all students are included in part of those fees. So where is that fee money going and how is it impacting all students on this campus, whether they're able-bodied or whether they're students of color or student athletes, making sure that all students are factored into those resources that they're using student fee money for. So that's one way that I've been trying to make sure that we have radical inclusion across this campus. And then as far as transparency, I mean, you're always going to get complaints. I think you can't make everybody like you and you can't impress everybody. And I think that's one thing that I've had to definitely learn with this position. I think I've always been, I think the term is probably people pleaser, (laughs) but I'm always, oh, this person doesn't like our campaign or what we stand for. Let's go talk to them, right? But at the end of the day, you really can't make everybody like you. You can't impress everybody. And you kind of have to continue to do the work that you said you would and also stick to the values that we had set in the beginning. And that's a little bit hard sometimes because you're going to get people who just kind of judge you based on the outside of what they're seeing and not really the work that you're doing behind closed doors. Because a lot of the work that we do, it's like we're meeting with a lot of stakeholders. We're literally in meetings all day. And then Christians in meetings with the Board of Governors and writing up a report. And there's a lot of behind closed door work that we do that no one knows. And it's always, oh, they're not doing anything. We're doing so much and we want to show you and we want to tell you. But that's kind of like some of the roadblocks. But I think in terms of transparency, at least on social media and also on our website, we try to update the information on a daily just so students know, here's your student fees. Here are the things that we're working on. If you want to set up a meeting with us, here's our calendar. And so making sure that, and we also do like some town halls and then the cabinet meetings that we have, we made them strategically open so that anybody can come and join if they want to listen in. And so that's kind of some of the things that we're doing. In terms of student support, I think we're doing really great because it seems as if with a lot of the outreach that we're doing, we've been doing it continuously throughout the whole year. But in the past, folks have only done that when they're campaigning. And so a lot of these offices are like, oh, you're back? Yeah, we're back. Like we promised that we would do this work and we want to do this work. And that's why we're here. And a lot of them are kind of shocked that like, you're not just here to get our vote and then you're gone. That's been really refreshing to see is that relationship. And then now I think the hard part is I'm graduating and then Christian's also graduating in the fall. So it's making sure that every all of the work that we've done and all of the relationships that we've created 
how do we sustain that through the next year and how do we still foster those relationships while also maintaining a lot of the institutional change that we've done this year. Well, and I think obviously you made some smart decisions such as putting this into bylaws and such. And then I wanted to sort of comment on the sustainability of this. When I think of people pleasing, oftentimes that's a defense mechanism and oftentimes it's sort of to avoid conflict. But I think what is really clear to me, what carries you through is this conviction and real commitment, which I think also goes with the last part that you said, we didn't just campaign, we really mean business. And that to me also sounds like that is probably a preventative factor for you when you might hear this, well, are you really doing anything? And so we will publish some of our data and know these folks will not always understand all the work that we do. And so how do you balance that? Yes, publishing some data and and doing some PR, but also still staying on track and staying focused. And I think from what I'm hearing, it comes back to that conviction, that commitment, and just not wavering. I'm sure that's not easy. And I would love to hear how do you sort of maintain sanity and all. I think the conviction is what is really standing out to me. Thank you for bringing that up. I think it's just the drive and the passion also behind the work because it's not just, oh, we're doing this because we want to add this to our resume or yeah, it does look really great on our resume. But also the reason that we ran is because we've been part of this organization for so long and we see so much potential. There's so many great things about it. And here's how we can make it better. Here are some improvements that will go such a long way. And so I think coming back to that and also I think surrounding myself with folks who also have a similar passion or similar values, because I think it's easy to say, oh, never mind, people are not grateful for this. We're doing so much work and this is kind of the response that we're getting. But surrounding myself with people who, oh, maybe this is where the confusion is coming from, or maybe this is where we could do better in being transparent, or here are other room for improvements. There are definitely days where I definitely need to take a break from student government and I need to go catch up on my Netflix shows because I need something that's kind of get my mind away from this. And sometimes that's also because it can get a lot. I think being involved in so much on campus and then also trying to maintain school at the same time and then also familial and friendships on this campus at the same time can be a little hard with balancing. But then at the end of the day, I just come back to the end goal and kind of why I'm here and the purpose that I serve. And also it's kind of the tad bits of people who have come to me and are, thank you for creating that representation. Now I can see myself being able to do that. It's little moments like that, that I'm really grateful that I stuck it out. That's huge. I mean, like you said, it was important for you to talk to someone early on that shared your identities. And now you're that person for other students. And so I think as we come up on the end of our time, I'm so curious, I'm sure Alona is too, like what's next for you? What did this all build towards in terms of your next steps? Yeah, so I'm currently right now also, I'm doing an internship at the state capitol here in Colorado. So I'm doing some policy research there. I've been loving it so far. So hopefully what's next is I'll be working hopefully in the governor's office. And then Hopefully from there, I'll be going on to working in the federal government in D.C. And end goal is hopefully to become a U.S. ambassador. I knew it. I was actually (laughs) going to ask you, is this in your plans? We need more go-getters like this. I know there are so many sacrifices on your part. This is not easy work. Thank you so much. Kudos to you. Bravo. Thanks so much for being with us today, Mary. We want to make sure you have the chance to share any last thoughts for the students who are listening out there and or other ways to maybe people are going to want to contact you, honestly. So 
what would you like to end with? Yeah, I would just say thank you so much for giving me the platform to share about my experience. I wish I would have known about this podcast in my freshman year because I would have definitely tuned in. I think it's so important to listen in on others' experience. I think storytelling is so important because that's one of the ways that I've learned from a lot of the individuals and mentors that I've had here in my life. And storytelling is just so important because it's important to see yourself in others. And that's something that's gotten me to where I am today. And I think last piece of advice is do what makes you uncomfortable. And sometimes you really just got to try something to really know whether you're going to enjoy it. And yeah, just thank you so much for having me on here. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so very much for coming. I think you're such an inspiration and we just appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. And yeah, feel free to contact me, follow me on Instagram and DM me on there. M-E-R-R-Y-G-E. All right. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, Mary. And we hope you all tune in next time. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us on your favorite pod platform. Share with your friends if this is making you think about and participate in college differently. We want to hear from you. Connect with us on Instagram and let us know how it's going. 